Hello guys, welcome back to The Podcast with your hosts, Kaylin, Kainoa, and Jason. Today we'll be talking about Japanese imperialism and their occupation of Korea. But first, we have to thank our sponsor, Duolingo, the number one language learning app. Do you want to know what your favorite K-pop idols or favorite anime characters are saying? Or are you the child of an immigrant family who never learned to speak your parents' native language and feel shame because of it? Duolingo can help you with that and make learning languages fun, easy, and effective. It's available free on iOS and Android. Download today. Alright, well, to look at how Japanese imperialism began, we first have to look at when they first went into isolation in the early 17th century. When they cut off contact with all their countries and in turn were left out of that peak of the Industrial Revolution in the western half of the world. And instead, they were strictly ruled by the Tokugawa shoguns and managed to avoid civil conflict for almost two centuries. Something that's also important to add is um, the U.S. was saw this, like Japan being in isolation, and um, they sent Commodore Matthew Perry over to basically propose a treaty to, for Japan to open up trade with the U.S., right? And obviously Japan wouldn't want to do this for any reason, but they come with huge ships with big cannons, and basically threatening Japan and just saying, you know, if you don't sign this, then, you know, we're going to come back with even more ships and we're going to show you what they can do, basically. Yeah, so at that point, that means they were basically forced to say yes and they opened up to the rest of the world and with America so that they could, they opened up two ports um, so American ships could take out supplies with them. And um, because they've opened up at this point, um, they kind of needed to, I guess, play catch up with the rest of, um, with the Western half of the world and became imperialistic. And with this kind of strength and power that Japan had started to garner through this, um, they began the Sino-Japanese war over trade relations in China and Korea, basically. And, uh, at, and through this war, the Japanese had won and managed to gain Taiwan and the Pescador Islands as colonies. And, however, this would um, later lead um, lead Russia and Japan into the War of Manchuria, um, and also led other countries to recognize the power that Japan had at that point. Mm-hmm. And this basically, um, well, the Russo-Japanese War like basically ended with you know the Japanese pushed the Russians out of Korea. Around and then around like 1905, um, with the help of I think it was President Roosevelt at the time, they drafted the Treaty of Portsmouth, and that basically was a treaty speedy, tr- peace treaty uh, signed between Russia and Japan, where Russia was like forced out of Manchuria and out of Korea, and then Japan got the rights to all the the regions that they had gained. Japan basically had full control over Korea. Um, they made Korea a protectorate um, and kind of made them gradually lose power over their own country. And um, because the Korean king had almost basically failed to gain the support for his rule, and the Japanese managed to disband the Korean Imperial Army. And um, it's important to note that Korea and Japan always had like high tensions. Um, so the end of the Russia-Japanese War um, basically led Japan to have almost full control over Korea. And so Japan made Korea a proctorate, but with this, 
um, they kind of managed to get Korea to start to lose power, um, to gradually start to lose power, um, because the Korean king had basically failed to gain um, support for his rule, and the Japanese managed to disband the Korean Imperial Army. After Emperor Gojong died in January 1919, amidst rumors of poisoning, Independence rallies against Japanese invaders took place nationwide two months later, which is also known as the March 1st Movement. And it's important to note that Korea and Japan had always been in high tensions, um, and that past point, um, Korea had ruled like um, the Chinese and were mainly under a kind of Chinese influence at that point, and um, so um they were annexed in 1910 um yeah so like you said how in around 1905 um korea hadn't become an official protectorate of japan but they basically already were right and it wasn't until 1910 where they actually uh, became annexed by japan basically and also um under japanese rule um public protest for the next 35 years would be like completely forbidden so Korean newspapers were shut down and Korean schools were taken over. Like it was Korean language and history were replaced by like, you know, Japan, that of Japanese, you know, language and history. Um, the land that Korean farmers had was given to Japanese settlers. And then um, Japanese businessmen were encouraged to start businesses, but then Koreans were banned from going into business at all. And, you know, Obviously, Koreans didn't like this, so it led to some non-violent protests and also an emerging uh, Korean nationalist movement. Um, however, some people do like to look on the other side and see that like Japan actually did modernize like Korean factories and their transportation and communication systems, right? And they even es established um, like a, a financial system there and and like, but it can also be looked at as um, that Japan's rule of Korea was an example of imperialism, imperialism at its worst, since it obviously didn't go too well. And even though other countries like Europe and the U.S. saw what was happening in Korea, they continued with their own imperialistic goals instead of intervening. Uh, so basically, after the outbreak of the Second Sino-Japanese War and. In 1937 and World War II, 1941, Japan basically just tried to like completely wipe Korea off the map. Like, we're not, we're not like, I guess, well, I guess yeah, completely wipe off the map. But during this time, they were also forced. They were also yeah. They were also forced to abide by Japan's rule and I guess abide by their ideals as well, and basically worship their culture. They were all. They're also forced to live the same lifestyles as the people in Japan, and on top of that, anything Korean-related, such as academics, newspapers, mag or magazines, or anything else that's even Korean-related advertisement, was banned. And since they were, and since the Japanese were also low on man, or in, they've basically forced hundreds and thousands of Koreans, men and women, didn't matter who, didn't matter who, to, 
to work for the Japanese military, whether it be joining the ar joining fighting for them in the army or working in their mines, or factories, or at mil or at military bases. In Japan, I was so hungry that I had to eat grass from our dorm garden, and my hair fell off. I lived like a slave there, but Abe is saying like it was not. Not only that, several hundred thousand Korean women were, for were forced to be were forced into being sex slaves or comfort women, as they called them, for the men of the Japanese military. But after the fall of Shanghai, basically after Shanghai fell to Japan, Korea's provisional government fo was forced to move to Chongqing in China, where they formed the Korean Liberation Army and declared war against Japan on December of 1941. They fought alongside. They fought alongside. The Allied forces in China for four years until on August 15, 1945, Korea was finally liberated from Japan's control. This liberation was very significant because it split Korea into what we know it as today, North and South Korea. Because while Korea had been unified, at the end of World War II, the area of North Korea was occupied by the Soviet Union, while South Korea was occupied by the US. This difference in influence between the two areas divided them, eventually leading to the Korean War, where they officially split. We also continue to see tensions between Korea and Japan. They're still not owning up to the past, and instead of apologizing to the victims of forced labor, they are engaging in economic retaliation. It makes me really angry. Especially in economic and trade relations. Many Koreans have held grudges against the Japanese, especially as a treaty of basic relations, as well as the Japan Korea Treaty of 1910 were declared null and void. However, one of the more personal grudges and tensions have been held as the aforementioned comfort women who, are, who worked as sex slaves during World War II to Japanese soldiers are still looking for compensation and a genuine apology by the Japanese government. The younger generation is also demanding compensation for these comfort women. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening in. See you in our next podcast.